Welcome to Teach Holocaust, a podcast for educators learning to implement Holocaust education into their classrooms. This podcast is a product of the Nathan and Esther Peltz Holocaust Education Resource Center, or HERC, in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. I'm your host, Sam Goldberg, Director of Education for HERC. This Why Teach Holocaust series will explain why it is necessary to teach your class about the Holocaust and the impact it has on students today. On today's episode, I've invited Andrea Bernstein from the Jewish Community Relations Council to speak about contemporary anti-Semitism. Andrea, thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks for having me. Yeah, so if you could start off by just introducing yourself a little bit and what you're working on. Sure. So, um... My role is I am the associate director at the Jewish Community Relations Council in Milwaukee. And um, my focus area is on engaging um, schools and youth in anti-bias programming and helping to provide resources there. One of the initiatives that I coordinate is the Hours Against Hate program. And that is an effort um, to engage people across lines of difference, particularly um, in schools and for youth. And we also work with teachers um, in school districts to use children's books as a springboard for helping to create culturally responsive classrooms and to help learn how to um, how to understand differences and how to um, find connections across cultures. So let's say an anti-Semitic instance happens in a school or a community. So do both of them get reported to you? Um, So At the Jewish Community Relations Council, we do have um, staff that takes uh, reports of any anti-Semitic incidents, and um, these are completely anonymous. If somebody who is reporting an anti-Semitic incident wants further um, resources or support, um, I am available particularly for um, students, youth, and families who wanna talk through how they might respond or who may want um, to help offer some resources to schools. Okay, yeah, so we'll we'll talk a little bit more about um, what sort of tips you have, but first I just wanted to ask, what sort of anti-Semitic instances would you say are most commonly reported in the community? Yeah, unfortunately, um, anti-Semitic incidents reported in Wisconsin have increased 55 percent from 2018 to 2019. Um, We do the um, Jewish Community Relations Council um, completes an anti-Semitism audit um, each year. So we have uh, completed the one from 2019 um, and we're in the middle of collecting you know, information from 2020. So we are aware of anti-Semitic slurs being used. 
we are aware of anti-Semitic jokes um, being targeted at Jewish students. Um, and we are aware, you know, generally of um, conspiracy theories being used uh, or references to the Holocaust, Nazi and Hitler. Um, for example, those are up 94%. Uh, they went up 94% from 2018 to 2019, those reports. That's crazy. So, I mean, let me just ask, so what is the harm? So if someone notices some of these slurs being used or they see the graffiti or someone doing something um, that you've described, what's the harm in someone seeing this and not confronting or challenging it? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, so number one, first and foremost, it harms the person who's targeted by the speech especially when it goes unchecked. Um, and that really can create an additional trauma because the person who's targeted um, likely can feel like they are not protected by the people who are charged to keep them safe. Um, I can give an example, um, you know, in, from my adult life that, that I still remember. I was in um, a situation where like I was among friends and um, somebody that I wasn't familiar with used the, used the term, um, they were Jewed down uh, or they tried, they Jewed down a contractor that they were working with. And that was hurtful in and of itself, but nobody said anything. And that part I think stung even more um, to have there be you know, silence um, around that. So number one, it harms the person who's targeted. Um, number two, it, it helps that speech, that kind of speech to become normalized. And um, for people who aren't familiar, uh, ADL, the Anti-Defamation League, has um, a pyramid of hate, which helps, to, um, helps people to understand the connection between biased speech um, and how it lays the foundation for uh, bias, you know, acts of bias and even bias motivated violence all the way up to genocide. Um, and that's, you know, most people who may use biased speech will probably stop right there. But the problem is, is that it lays the foundation, it creates um, you know, it, it lays the foundation for biased attitudes and discrimination. And some people, it, it can lead some people to escalate eventually all the way up to violence. Um, the third thing I think is that when biased speech or anti-Semitic speech goes unchecked, it really misses an opportunity for education, um, particularly when it happens in schools. So. I think, you know, many people, especially kids who repeat anti-Semitic tropes or dog whistles may not know the history. And these things can get repeated with people not necessarily disliking Jews, not necessarily understanding, you know, the meaning of what they're saying. And it, it just, um, it can get perpetuated that way. 
Absolutely. So how should someone respond if they witness anti-Semitism or hate speech? Like, is there a strategy to the type of language one should use? Yeah. Um, the One of the most important things is, first of all, to to really make a commitment to yourself ahead of time that um, to say, I am a person who is not going to let hate have the last word. I'm going to person. I'm going to be a person who is committed to speaking up against biased speech. Um, so that commitment is important. Um, and then the next thing to do, a lot of people describe being in a moment where they're taken aback by something that has been said, and they don't have a response ready. They there's they're kind of stunned and they don't know what to say. And later they regret not having said anything. So having some language ready is really um, useful. So one of the things you can say if somebody makes a joke is just to, to have it ready, that's not funny, or I don't find that funny. Um, in the case of somebody using a term um, that's problematic, um, to say, I'm not sure you know the history of that term, or I'm not sure you know the history of that name, but let me explain to you why that's, you know, why that's hurtful. Um, another approach can be to ask a question. Um, what do you mean by that? What point are you trying to make by saying that? Um, and that really can put the person who said it on the spot um, to think through what they've said and they sometimes will back down at that. Um, another, another phrase that can be used, um, particularly in classrooms, is that word is hurtful and it's not going to be accepted in my classroom. Um, so all of those things, we all have the power and the responsibility to, to speak up against um, biased speech. And... Um, you know, being ready with some of that language is really helpful. Yeah, absolutely. It's also, I mean, the phrases that you gave these examples aren't aggressive either. They're, they aren't argumentative. So I feel like they're very simple tips and tricks that, I mean, I could envision myself saying like, hey, that's not funny. Or what do you mean by that? Just kind of really putting it back on them without doing it in a, taking an aggressive stance. Absolutely. I think, I think avoiding, um, you know, trying, avoiding um, accusing somebody of a particular identity, saying you're anti-Semitic or you are racist. Um, those, those types of things are going, are more likely to trigger, trigger denial as opposed to a real learning moment to say, you know what, I, I don't want to say that kind of thing. I don't want to hurt people. Yeah, for sure. And um, I know that, sorry, just like, now I'm like almost switching gears. So I know that I shared this study with you and I'll also put it in the description of this episode that Echoes and Reflections actually came out with a study showing um, empathy and the willingness to stand up for someone else after receiving Holocaust education. And so for those listening that don't know, Echoes and Reflections does a lot of teacher training for teaching the Holocaust. So the study showed that 
students that received Holocaust education in high schools were more likely to stand up against bullying. They had empathy towards other students that were being attacked. So, I mean, I'm just going to ask you then, um, since I know that you read it as well, or I sent it to you or shared it with you, how can this help combat rising anti-Semitism and hate speech? Like just having improved empathy. Sure. Um, you know, I think that empathy and um, social emotional learning are a really important component to Holocaust education. Um, it's not simply enough to learn some of the facts about the Holocaust, but to also engage um, and strengthen people's empathy muscles. Um, empathy is, you know, people have a range of potential for how empathic they can be. And um, our schools really have an opportunity to help, you know, um, increase the potential and move people along in their ability to use empathy in terms of um, how they, you know, care about people, particularly people who are targeted with hate or biased speech. Um, so, you know, I think that um, the study really helps to lay out the actual impact of Holocaust education. And, you know, some of these figures were really um, striking to me that 20 people who um, had, you know, gone through Holocaust education um, and they, the people that they asked were, um, were students in, enrolled in four-year colleges or universities. So those who, and they, and they had, um, 1,500 students in the study. So that, you know, that's a really good sample size. Um, and of those, 28% of students who, um, or the students who had gone through Holocaust education were 28% more likely to challenge incorrect or biased info and 20% more likely to stand up for those who are being discriminated against. And that makes a huge difference um, for, you know, in terms of how we as a society can, um, can really work to eradicate hate and biased speech. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I'm, I'm sorry to put you on the spot here now. I'm just wondering if there's any last thing that you would like to share or leave us with before we close up this episode. Um, you know, I, I come back to this a lot. When you know better, you do better. Um, I think that most people truly, truly care about other people, um, do, you know, want to see everybody in, in our communities thrive. And we can do that by um, learning the skills to stand up against hate and bias, learning some of the history so that we don't unwittingly, um, you know, perpetuate stereotypical uh, ideas or biased speech. Um, and we really have the power to do better. Thank you so much, I couldn't agree more. So if anyone listening wants to check out more about what the JCRC is doing, please check out their website. I highly recommend it. And then if 
there are if you experience anti-Semitism or you want to report an act, again, check out their website and learn how to do that. I highly encourage it. I'll also just, and thank you so much, if Andrea. I can put a plug oh, in, yeah. <laughs> if I can put a plug in, um, Hours Against Hate also has its own website, and that is www.hoursagainsthate.com. Great. Thank you so much. Thank you for being with us today. Thank you so much for having me.